Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. What's up, Rush Nation? Welcome to a new episode that we're trying. This is going to be the Tuesday Takeaway Takeover. You'll notice the floor here being that it's going to be on Thursday. And Ash has had to drop out at the last minute. So I've got the CEO of Five Rush here. Guesting on his own show. So that's going to be a bit weird. But Stocks, how are you doing? Yo, I'm good, man. I'm good. Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's a little strange being on the other side of the desk, let me tell you. But I am excited to be a guest on my own podcast because I don't have to drive today. So I can kick back, let you do the work and, and throw in some fantasy advice when I'm needed. That sounds brilliant because if you've seen some of my fantasy teams, I'm in a few leagues with you. My team suck. I, so, be, I did give you a damn good thrashing this week as well. So Yeah, you did. Yeah. Really nice. <laughs> real, real boost of confidence, just saying. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to get ahead and give you our takeaways from the Sunday's games. Um, we've got a full slate of games. And we're going to start off with the Broncos and the Colts. Now, this game's been given to me, so... This is a bit weird because you're a Broncos fan, but yeah. But so to be fair, though, it wasn't me. I wasn't in for it, was I? That's the thing. No, that's true. That's true. Right. So the game finished fifteen thirteen to the Colts. 
my takeaway from this is like the Broncos were close to an upset. Like, Adam Vinatieri is going into Hall of Fame. He, he's kicked so many game-winning field goals. He does it again here, and I think, as I say, avoids the upset. Jacoby Brissett is doing enough for the Colts. Um, I don't think this is a flashy game, but it's going to be one of those games that you look back and say, phew, we got through that. Just move on to next week. Don't dwell on it too much, good or bad. And then my third point from this game is, um, what are the Broncos going to do going forward? You know, they've got Joe Flacco there. We know he doesn't want to play the mentor role. And now with the injury that we found out, he's going to be out for a few weeks. How does that affect the team and the players that you guys out there have have in fantasy going forwards? So for me on on this, I think Joe Flacco is going to hit IR. I mean, a neck injury sounds pretty serious. And initially it sounded like he was just going on to like air quotes injury list <laughs> because he gunned Vic Fangio, like we mentioned on uh, Tuesday's pod. But actually it seems like a pretty serious neck injury. They're going to start Brandon Allen this coming week, maybe for the next few weeks. And then I think we'll see most of the rest of the season. We'll see Drew Locke. He's not necessarily NFL ready, but they, they certainly felt like he was the man because they went and got him in the draft after trading trading back from the first round. So I think I don't think it's a it's a negative move on their behalf. I just think maybe Drew Locke's not going to be quite ready. And for all we know, Brandon Allen could get absolutely destroyed in the next couple of weeks. So I don't know. But I, I don't think it's a negative move. I think Flacco had a good point in the fact that they weren't aggressive enough on the final drive to get back into field goal range. And he, and he had a point, but, you know, I... As far as a Broncos fan goes, I'm quite excited to see Drew Locke. Let's just hope he's learned a lot in the first few weeks of the season because, yeah, that could be trouble. But fantasy-wise as well, Cortland Sutton, he's going to, after becoming the one, Emmanuel Sanders left for the 49ers. Cortland Sutton's probably going to take a nosedive down now just because Brandon Allen and and Drew Locke, who knows what they're going to offer him. And then I think maybe Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman stay around the same because they might want to run the ball a bit. And Noah Fant, if he can manage to open those hands and actually catch something and not drop it like it's hot, then he might be relevant because new tight, new quarterbacks, sorry, like to throw to their tight ends. But we'll wait and see. But as far as anything else goes on, I'm looking forward to next year as a Broncos fan already. Yeah, I mean, I was a big fan of Drew Locke coming out of the draft. Actually, in our mock draft, before the season started, I actually moved back into the first round to draft him. Um, I, I, I'd say, I know he, the preseason was a little bumpy, but I think this is, a, this is a great time to see what he's got. You know, with no pressure, you, you know, you're not expecting big things. Just go out there, learn the offense, learn to play. I think it's a great opportunity. It, it, it gives a lot of people something to think about going into next season with regards to their fantasy and maybe some of them dynasty leagues. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it'd be good. I think if you have a need at quarterback, especially if you can roster Drew Locke, if he wasn't picked up in a dynasty league, if you can afford to to keep him on the bench just to see how the second half of the season goes with him. Because if he does turn out to be pretty good, you get yourself a bit of a bargain. And if you are tanking like the Dolphins are in real life... and What? It's yep. not fair. It's news, it's news to you, I'm sure you are. Breaking news on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, yeah, fantasy-wise, if you can afford to stash Drew Luck, uh, Drew Luck, sorry, and get ahead of the quarterback game if you need one, and then you don't have to draft two or next year. So I think that might be a, a sneaky little grab there. Sounds good. Let's, get on, to the, let's get on to the second game. 
Okay, that's me. It was Ash, but seeing as I don't even know where he is, he's like Belgium or he's flown out somewhere fancy. I think he's fighting some... crime somewhere. He's fighting crime. Fighting well, crime. We can't let him not do that In, then. Ash. International man of mystery. <laughs> You've been let off the hook if you're fighting crime, but anything else, get yourself back, son. CEO says so. So it's my game, and I've got Murph's beloved Bucks. They lost to the Titans on Sunday, and Murph's pretty unhappy about it. There was a pretty shocking moment in the game, but we'll cover that in a bit. So, yeah, the Bucks lost 23-27 to the titles and Titans, and my takeaways are that Ronald Jones got more carries and more targets in the passing game than Peyton Barber for the first time this season. So could be finally gearing up for Rojo to take the lead role there. He had 11 carries for 35 yards, which isn't good, but the volume is creeping up. Also had four targets, which is always nice. He only caught one of those, which 25% catch rate. You want a little bit more from your running backs. But the fact he's getting the looks is a good sign of things to come. Second point is Jono Smith is a thing. He led the Titans receivers in targets, which he got seven. He caught six of them for 78 yards and had a 26-yard longest play. And he also got into the end zone with a touchdown. Inversely, the Corey Davis sell-high season is well and truly over. He did have six targets, but only went two receptions for nine yards. And unfortunately, I'm going to have to play him this week in my home league. So thanks very much, Corey. But with the ball being spread around so much in Tennessee, Smith has the ability to be the tight end one. So you just think, get this right, the second most productive receiver for the Titans on Sunday was Anthony Fisker. And he was also a tight end. So if you never heard of him, (laughs) I don't blame you. So go get Jonu Smith if you need a tight end. And then my third point on this was that Tampa Bay's, (laughs) they're giving away a ball a lot in fumbles and turnovers and it is always in terrible field position. So this on Sunday, Ryan Tannehill became the first player to finish the first half with multiple passing touchdowns and fewer than 50 passing yards. And that was since Sean King and John Kittner each accomplished it in November 2000. So what does that mean for fantasy? If you're a Buccan, if the Buccaneers continue this trend, it will mean A, fire up Evans and Godwin and Jameis as they continue to rack up a ton of production chasing the game. And then B, be wary about starting opposing wide receivers and running back as they won't be getting a ton of yards due to the fact the Buccaneers are giving the ball up on you know the opponents on the Buccaneers' own 10, 20, 30 yards. So there'll be touchdowns galore, but not a lot of yards. So if you're in a touchdown point league, that's good. But if you're in a four point, no thank you. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Oh, and the fact that our st- one of the starts of our week this week, DK Metcalf takes on the Bucks. Go get DK, and you'll thank us later. Have you got any takeaways from the Bucks game? Yeah, and it's going to sound like a bit of a homer pick, but I enjoyed watching Ryan Tannehill go out there and play well. I think he, he was woefully underprotected in Miami, and I actually picked him up in our dynasty league that we we're in. Um, and he's served me pretty well, to be honest, in the last couple of weeks. Um, I thought he would get playing time because Mariota was going to be hurt. And I also think he there is a good chance that he's a starter going into next season. I don't think he's a top 10 quarterback, but I think he's more than serviceable and better than a bunch of other starting quarterbacks in the league right now. 100%. Let's move on to the next game. I have got the Cardinals and this at the Saints. So... This finished 31-9 to the Saints, and the big news coming out of this is, and my first point, is Drew Brees is back. Looked yes, good, sir. looked healthy. Um, passed for 373 yards and three touchdowns. He did have an interception. Um, 
I think they played their game. They kept it kind of methodical, a lot of screenplays, a lot of kind of easy completions. But hey, it gets the job done. That's that's the offense. And and seeing Drew Brees back out there, no offense to Teddy Bridgewater, but Drew Brees is going to be the one that takes takes him to the promised land if possible. So um, yeah, that's my first point. The Cardinals. <sighs> I'm gonna. This is gonna come up more than once tonight in my games, but the Cardinals ran a called a run play on a fourth and one from the, from their own 29 yard line, whilst trailing 10-6. Yeah, I believe it was in the third quarter. Like that's just a the head coach not putting you in a great position. Like I understand that they they've got some decent runners, but at 10-6, just just play the field game, punt the ball away. Let's let's you know. Just live to fight another day. Don't risk turning it over on your own, you know, deep in your own territory. I exactly. think that's a, against the team like the Saints as well. Yeah, of all the teams. I I love being aggressive. I've got no problem with that. But there is a time and a place and in the third quarter of a game that you shouldn't probably be in, being only down by four, that, that for me was the wrong place. But, yeah. no, it, you know, we watched uh, rookie quarterbacks make you know, go through their growing pains. And I think it's the same for head coaches as well. So uh, we'll give him, give him the benefit of the doubt there. And I think coming out of the game, this my third point is with the injuries of David Johnson and the rest of the running backs there, it was a good move to go out and get Kenyon Drake. I think they, they picked him up fairly cheap. They, they've got a decent audition period with him. Um, I think going forwards, Kenyon Drake may be available, may have been available to a lot of people because his production was woeful in Miami. He'd fallen out of favour. But I think that, you you know, you get an opportunity to see a starting calibre back. You know, not a top 10 running back, but a decent running back. I think, you know, if you can pick him up, might be worth taking a risk for a few weeks. Yeah, 100%. I think I've had a few takeaways on this game. Drew Brees, you know, great that he's back, but didn't need to start game before the bye week against the Cardinals when Teddy Bridgewater has started so well. What's the point? Why risk injury again when you can have another two weeks off, one for free with the bye week? You're going to beat the Cardinals anyway. I actually thought this was a good decision. So so, so I took a slightly different slot on it where rather than having that where you bring a player back and he comes off with soreness and doesn't have the time to get ready for the next week and you put him in a bad position, he got a chance to go out there and take some of the licks. He's now got that period to get over it and then and then start fresh and you try and keep him as fresh as possible. But I certainly get get what you're saying. It was an easy, you know, they could easily have done it. Teddy's playing well enough and they should have been good enough to beat the Cardinals. Oh, uh, yeah, and also on that point as well, to be fair, the Arizona Cardinals are a softer team. You're not going to go and throw Drew Brees against a massive pass rush. If you're going to risk him against the Cardinals, isn't a terrible bet. And then, like you say, a bit of bit of bye week action afterwards, get the old man right again, ready for the second half. Happy days. And then, yeah, I mean, my only other takeaway from this is Michael Thomas is, in my opinion, currently the best wide receiver in American football. He's you can't cover him. You can't cover Mike. I mean, Drew Brees comes back because he catches all eleven balls for 112 yards and a touchdown. Thanks very much. The boy is unreal. So that's it. I mean, and Obviously, I should touch on the Arizona running backs as well. There's, I've got a sneaky feeling, right, with David Johnson's back injury. I think it's back injury being probably a little, it might be neck, one of the two, serious than we think. 
Chase Edmonds is a multi-week absence now with a hamstring issue. Your boy Kenyon Drake may be going in there. I think Kenyon Drake, if he gets into the right system, he could be really good. He could, if they re-sign him to a cheap-ish deal and then decide that David Johnson is ill and long-term, you know, unfit yeah. long-term, they could ship him on. And then all of a sudden, they've got a really cheap running back with Kenyon Drake. And I mean, the guy played for Bama, I think. Drake came out of Bama, right? He did. Exactly. And they know how to play football. Yeah, I mean, the, the only thing that I would say is a negative to Drake is he seems to have fallen out of favour with two separate coaching staffs and not been the back. Even though, I think it was the end of the 2016 season, he actually led the NFL over the last six weeks of the season. He was the most productive back in the NFL. He still couldn't get secure the, the number one job for himself. So I, I don't know if it's a personality thing. I've heard rumours that it is, but nothing that you could actually say is concrete. It's always seemed like a nice guy. Um, but yeah, I think it's a great pickup. And I think he should be available in some fantasy leagues as well with people who had high hopes before the season started and just cut bait because so he fell out of favour. His playing time went down. And they're, they're using running back by committee in Miami. So he had no value. So I think there's probably some good chances to pick him up. And like you say, he's just got huge upside. Absolutely. I think, yeah, if, if he is out there, you've got, to, you've got to grab him. This week's not a great matchup, but after going forward, once he's had a few weeks of practice, he'll be the man there. I'm going to move on to my game. It was the London game. It was the Bengals against the Rams. The Bengals were pretty woeful, and the Rams got the job done. My takeaways from this is that the Bengals ran the ball on almost 50% of the first downs against the Rams. Mixon had some success, so did Giovanni Bernard against that Rams D-line, which can be quite frightening. It was surprising to see that the Rams gave up just, well, just shy of 97 yards, 96.9 yards a game to opposing rushers this season. The Bengals gained eight more yards than the Rams normally give up and 20 more, four, sorry, 24 more yards than they've given up in their last three games, which is surprising considering how bad the Bengals O-line is and how good the Rams' D, especially at getting to quarterbacks, has been. So I think I thought the backfield might have been flooded a lot more than it was. But let's see, the Bengals might run the ball a little more now. Rookie quarterback Ryan Finley is in to replace the benched Andy Dalton. Happy birthday, Andy. But we talked about that on Tuesday's <laughs> show. Uh, next one is is about Cooper Cup. He's, he's pretty much uncoverable. He ended with 220 yards off seven receptions, got into the end zone. He hauled in several passes and double coverage, broke two tackles on his way to a touchdown off of some stupid reverse jet sweep flea flicker. That play was incredible to watch live and I don't know how it looked on telly, but it was it was ludicrous. And then the fact he juked a guy, made a guy miss and got into the end zone was just even better. And then, so he's for me, he's definitely a top five fantasy wide out for the rest of the season. And then my last point on this is that the Bengals are using all their receiving options in AJ Green's absence. Boyd, Erickson and Tate had 9, 7, 13 respective targets. Scotty Morgan had one. So this is a trend that's going to continue in AJ's back. Will AJ Green's fantasy stock take a knock in as a result? Who knows? But Green averages around 127 targets a year. So given the game's left, is he going to see 58 targets in the eight games he's left to play? I think he is because he's AJ Green, but I would just be a little bit wary of plugging him straight in, especially now that Ryan Finney is in and not Andy Dalton. Do you think there's a chance that at some point they 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 restrict AJ's touches coming back, his, his, his time on the field, if they want to get into the race for tour? 
I don't know. See, I don't think they do because Finley was fourth round pick. So they obviously fancied him enough to go and get him. Fourth round, they talk about the fourth round being the last round of relevance, really. So mm-hmm. if you're going to draft a quarterback in the fourth round, he played really well in the preseason. They obviously like him. So I think you give him the best chance to show out for the final eight weeks and you give him your best receiver in AJ Green. So. Music face- my ears. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's, they need so many different. See, that's the thing as well. If Ryan Finley works out for them, they don't need to be in the race for tour. They quite it's, it's, it's one to... less position they need to pick up. Exactly. So they can take the second yep. round pick, the second pick, sorry. They can allow your beloved organic fish tank, the first pick. <laughs> you can grab Tua or whoever it is you fancy. And then they can go and get an O-line. And let's forget, let's not forget, their 2018 O-line guy got injured in 18 and he's now playing guard as opposed to centre as opposed to guard. And then their 2019 draft pick was out for the season. So they pick a couple of offensive pieces up and then, just basically go after every available defensive player in the NFL because they cannot defend for Toffee. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, 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 just to touch back on um, the Cooper Cup touchdown, it looked great in the stadium, it looked great on the TV until William Jackson, when Cooper Cup got to the 10-yard line, just looked at him and he was just like, nope, not making that tackle. And he was <laughs> like, oh no, maybe, maybe I'll try. I screamed at the TV, like, what are you doing? Because he should have had that play stopped at the five-yard line. I, I know, the, the, you know, the Rams probably score anyway. But the, the point is, you just see him look at him. He's like, nope, not doing that. Yeah, it, it could have. Uh, he should have done better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Let's put he, it should, he should have done better. Right, mate. You've got the Jets, Jags. Let's have it. Oh yes, the Jets and the Jags. Right. So this finished twenty-nine to the Jags and fifteen to the Jets. This is. An important game, I think. My first point is, this is an important game for Sam Darnold because you needed to see how well he can bounce back from not not an under a performance where you saw he underperformed. One where he just flat out was awful. You know, I understand that it was against the Patriots and that, but he still played bad. Mm-hmm. And you needed to see some sort of bounce back because... You need to know that your quarterback has that in him. They're going to have bad games, all of them. Maybe not that bad, but you know, you want to see that your quarterback can can wipe it out of his mind and get on with it. I mean, he started off well, started the game seven for seven for eighty-eight yards, but he ended with two hundred and eighteen yards, two touchdowns, but three interceptions. So the turnovers still come. I don't know if it's maybe the, maybe the system doesn't help as well, but we'll get on. I'll touch on that in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got some real thoughts on this game. So the the Jags D showed up good in this game. Trey Herndon pulled in two two interceptions and the D racked up eight sacks. So there's some decent fantasy points in there for you. Yes. Um, and then my last fumble. point and a forced fumble. And then my last point on this game is the Adam Gase effect. My God. There is not a person on the planet as arrogant as Adam Gase. Nope. And his complete lack of regard for running backs is incredible. I mean, I said at the beginning of the season, it, I wouldn't touch Le'Veon Bell with a barge pole because it's got nothing to do with his talent and him being off for the year. Adam Gase won't use him. He doesn't like him. It doesn't matter if he's a Hall of Famer. Adam Gase doesn't like running backs and he won't use him. Um, I don't have the number in front of me. 
of how many yards Le'Veon Bell had. But Le'Veon, I mean, Le'Veon Bell had 23 yards off of nine carries and then a further 12 yards off three receptions. Do you know what I mean? I expect free agent off the street to go and get those sort of numbers. Do you know? Yeah. What I mean? And this is this isn't a symptom of the Jets being bad. This is Adam Gase doesn't want to use them. That's why you heard on Tuesday trade rumors surfacing for a guy that they just signed. You know, they've already invested all the money in, but now he's the GM there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, Adam Gase, the Jets. If you're a Jets fan and you're going to want him gone. I mean, I just, I don't understand his football principles from A to Z. I just don't get it. And then to go and alienate your two best players, your best player on offense in Lev Bell and then Adams on defense. I mean, the guy clearly wants to play for the Jets. Adams has said as much multiple times on Twitter. And then the fact you're trying to farm him out. What are you doing? Like Dan Hanses on around the league said, you know, he pretended to be God and, told Adams that he sent Adams there to save the Jets. So, <laughs> I mean, that, that you know, those guys know their stuff. So, yeah, I just, I think the only thing with the Jets is, this is, they're coming into a part of their season now where their schedule is marshmallow soft. And our, our guest on tomorrow's show goes into that a bit deeper, so I won't ruin the chat there. But if Lev Bell, Sam Darnold, Robbie Anderson and Adam Gase can't come out the side of that soft schedule with a few wins then what's going on like you you've got to get rid of the case i think i think the interesting thing i think they're they're in for a terrible season i don't think things are going to pick up greatly but if there is a week to start every new york jet you have it is this week and not just because they're playing the dolphins I, I'm going to get the Dolphins into every review here, by the way, just saying that. Crack on. <laughs> so not just because they're playing the Dolphins, but if you go back to when the Dolphins played your Broncos and when Adam Gase first came over, his game plan that day was different from anything he played all year. They played superb and he purposely ran the score up and upset a lot of people, especially John Elway. And I can see exactly that happening again. There won't be a game this season he wants to win more than the two games against Miami. And we don't want to win either. Yeah. So I think it, it, I don't think again if they win, and even if they win big, don't take it as a sign things have turned around. No, just take it as a the week after. Game. Exactly, it'll be no more than that. Say this is in this is in Adam Gase's history to do this. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think. Yeah, I think you've, you've got to start all your players this week, like Lee said, and especially the defense. I think the Jets' defense is a massive, massive start. If you can go and grab them off. Or waivers if they're still on the free agency for some stupid reason. A, you're playing in the wrong league, and B, go grab them. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'll slide on to my next one, Lee, and that's the Lions versus the Giants. My three takeaways from this is one, no one outside of Detroit is aware of how good Matthew Stafford has been this season. However, they might do after this week's eight performance. Despite the Lions' three game losing streak, Stafford 7-1 to one touchdown to interception ratio, 629 passing yards, 62.3 completion rate. He's been incredible during that rough stretch. At home against the Giants, Stafford had a chance to ball out in a win, and did he ever. His final numbers are 25-32, which was 78% completion rate, 342 yards, three TDs and a pick, which is his fourth of the season. If the Lions were 6-2, and two, Stafford would be in the MVP conversation. Let's be honest, the Lions have lost some close games. I mean, they nearly beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs obviously are on a slide, but the Lions, they could easily, easily be 6-2. and two And 
uh, and I think there's the rest second half of their season is looking tasty, especially with Kerry on being out. They're not going to want to run it now because they don't have any faith in a running back. I mean, it took them two seasons to get Kerry on, just even mildly faithful. So, yeah, don't expect much from Trey Johnson and uh, J.D. McKissick over there. Oh, and Trey Carson, I think that might be his name. It's definitely Carson. Don't know his first name because he's that far down the depth chart. I don't even know. My second point on this is that while some are still high on the potential of Daniel Jones, there's people still excited about him, mainly Giants fans. After this 28-41, 332-yard, 4TD, zero interception day against the Lions, it's worth noting that all is not great with Danny Dimes. In his six games as a starter so far, he's just gone past his interception count for touchdowns. So he's got 10 passing TDs on the season and seven INTs. He has ace, also has eight fumbles. Eight fumbles. Eight that's ridiculous. His total turnover to TD ratio is 12 TDs to 15 turnovers. Right, so if that's not enough, his yards per attempt is only better than four other QBs who have started five or more games this season. 6.8 yards per pass thrown. So he's only higher than Josh Allen, the benched Andy Dalton, his replacement Kyle Allen and Mitch Trubisky. So don't let this performance fool you into thinking Danny Dimes is anything better than a very occasional streamer in a good matchup. And then my third point is both these teams were surprisingly equal in this game. Total rushing yards, the Giants had 370, the Lions had 375. Time of possession, the Giants had 30 minutes 47, Detroit had 29-13, and both had a high number of passing first downs or rushing. The Giants had 75% and the Detroit Detroit Lions had 81%. What this tells us is going forward, both teams and their running games aren't firing, which I mentioned earlier. So therefore, start any wide receiver you can get for either team. They aren't efficient on drives and have to compete a lot of passes to get first downs. The Lions ran 32 pass plays and 25 run plays. This shows us the ground game isn't working for them at all. And like I mentioned, with a running back by committee, until somebody maybe possibly doesn't break out, yeah, you're going to want to start your wide receivers. Did you see this game, Lit Ash Lee? Sorry, Lee. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I saw the scores. I was keeping track of it as it came in because I actually have, have Matthew Stafford in two of our leagues. That did go um, right. Yeah, I actually got had someone try and get him in a trade for me the other day, and he was the gem of the trade. And I was like, I can't, I can't give him up. He's playing too well. You, you, you know he's going to go out there and do it. I expect at some point he'd probably get hurt because he tends to pick up those injuries that don't stop him from playing but halt his performance somewhat. Yep. But, I mean, he, he's playing out of his mind. You know, there's a reason that he's a franchise quarterback. And he really is. I think he gets forgotten about in Detroit because they have been so up and down over the years with the, the talent they've put around him. Yeah. But... I mean, my my last point on this as well is that if the Giants aren't running the ball as much, Saquon Barkley's production could be hurt slightly for fantasy. He's still going to get the receptions because he's absolutely ungodly with his talent levels of being all over the football pitch. But yeah, just just keep an eye on the rushing attempts in New York. And if they start to dip, you know, this is going to be a bold take, but go and trade Saquon Barkley away because people will buy him because he was the number one overall. But if you can get an absolute king's ransom for him, do it and do it in a heartbeat. Yeah, I, I imagine there is a lot of people that should take that advice right now. It, it, it could change your fantasy season. Yeah, 
100%. Right, Lee, where are you going next, mate? Right, so I've got the Chargers and the Bears, which, well, it's a bit of a slog, let's be honest. It was, yeah. This, this finished 17-16 to the Chargers. And my first point to take away from this is the Bears are not great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to put this nicely. I'm not a fan of, the, of anything the Bears are doing. Their defense was good, but now they've got her. I mean, especially with Akeem Hicks going down a couple of weeks ago in London. I mean, regardless of his play on the field, I mean, we were lucky enough to meet him. He's a nice guy. What a great chap. But anyway, I mean, without him out there and the defense being a bit beat up, Mitch Trubisky is not the guy to carry this team. And that should be a concern for a lot of Bears fans going forward, and especially anyone who decided to pick him up in fantasy early in the season, thinking that this was going to be the same team as last year, because this this has not gone well for you. (laughs) And I see you raising your hand. Yeah, I did. I grabbed him. I feel for you. <laughs> I, I only grabbed him in two quarterback leagues because I decided this season I was going to grab my quarterbacks late, even in Superflex. And that strategy has not panned out super well for me. So next year, go get your quarterbacks early in Superflex leagues and, and don't go late round QB. But So I just think for me, every, people have been saying Trubisky out and stuff and the amount they invested in him in draft value and cost, why would you... Why would you not want to see what he's got for the rest of the season. I mean, he wasn't great on Sunday through an INT, no touchdowns, only 253 yards. I think people think that the Bears should have traded for someone like Andy Dalton, seen the rest of the season out, and then got a new, like Jake Burrows or Tua or even uh, the chap from Oregon. But John, uh, John Love? Maybe. No. No, that's not. It's the other one. Yeah, no. <laughs> anyway, Justin Herbert. That's the boy. Yeah, Justin <laughs> Herbert. Um, but I, I think you've invested so much in him. The coaching staff obviously value him as a quarterback. They still see him as the franchise quarterback. So give him the rest of the season to see what he can do. And if if he can't do it for the whole season, then sure, you've lost anyway. So it's win-win. I've got to be honest. I think, and I'm going to get to this later, A, we just got to stop being so quick to jump on these quarterbacks and say they're good because mm-hmm. it takes more than a season to see that. And I think there is a possibility and Bears fans, you might want to cover your ears. He could turn into the next Andy Dalton, Ryan Tannehill, Jameis Winston, where you, you, you're five years in before you actually pull the trigger. And in the case of the Bengals and the Dolphins, they paid that guy because it's scary having to go get another quarterback in case you end up with a, really bad quarterback uh-huh. name any of the Browns quarterbacks in the last decade do you know what I mean like, it's not that easy to go and get someone at a Dalton level or a Tannehill level you know uh-huh. and it's easy the teams that have those players are desperate to get rid of them but the teams who have got bad quarterbacks would love to have one of them like I'm guessing Titans fans right now are seeing I, I have a low I don't think Marcus Moreira is that good a quarterback and I think they're probably seeing oh hang on He's not that great. Yep. We've just bought in someone, you know, for a, what was it, fourth-round draft pick? Nothing. And I think there, there's a chance that the Bears go down this same road. And we're yeah, sitting I here mean, in a few years' time saying, should have pulled the plug on that test earlier. You see, you see the ripple effect on teams that have gone completely the other way as well. And like Arizona, they, they drafted Josh Rosen. And exactly. 
they they gave up you know a first round draft pick to grab him and then that didn't work out so rather than leave the guy some time they've bailed on him and they've grabbed Kyler Murray and all right Kyler Murray's done okay so far but what they had to give up for the rest of the franchise for years going forward in order to do that so and and we and we know as we can see by Trubisky and I'm going to touch on somebody else later um it takes more than a year to find out. And by that time, you've already started putting pieces around. You've invested in the defense. You've paid money out on, on you know, surrounding them with talent. So it's, it's a slippery slope. I hope it's not. I hope like, he gets it back on track because he looked like he had the potential to be a good quarterback. But at the moment, he's certainly not playing that way. And he needs his head coach and coaching staff to get him going, get him on track. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you have any other points on this? Otherwise, yes, we got a bit off track there. Sorry. Okay. So, the Bears' kicking problems are back. Just a dog on the Bears some more. Oh, are so, they? Well, I mean, Pinero misses a thirty-three yarder in the first quarter. That would have been enough points to have won the game. And then he gets another chance at it from forty-four and misses again. I. I mean, I think kickers just get in, in slumps. You know, if you miss one in the game, they often miss two. It's not, I don't think that's a surprise. But I do think that whenever the kicker runs out there, we saw it in on the opening night of the season, how how ecstatic that crowd was when the field goal went through. That I think there is a, a case of the kicker goes out in the field and the whole stadium gets antsy. And I don't think it helps. Just like, just, just support that guy. Send him out there with all the confidence in the world. They'll make kicks. He's a kicker. That's what he does. Like, come on. He's, he's made enough. He's won a game this season. I think it's yeah. week two. He kicked a game winner. So, I mean, I say their kicking problems are back. It's just something to be a little bit concerned about because this is a game where I think this would have gone a long way to, to making them feel a lot better about the season, beating the Chargers. The Chargers aren't playing well, but at the same time, getting a win in a close game, I think it always just does you the world of good. And then, Again, with the Chargers, I think the, the Chargers are underperforming. I actually saw them play earlier this year in person. Didn't think much of them, to be honest. I thought they didn't play great football. Um, and their production has gone down since Melvin Gordon has gone back into the lineup. He scored his first rushing TD of the year. But he's doing more harm than good to anyone that's got Austin Eckler on their fantasy team. And I think it puts you in a bit of a bind. I don't know what you do. What do you, what do you think? I think you're lucky in the fact that Austin Eckler still gets many receptions because then you can still play him as standalone. I think Melvin Gordon, as far as he was aware, was up to speed with the game whilst being off. And the Chargers certainly seem to think he was up to speed. But it's like he's still playing in the preseason. And rather than continue what they were doing but scheme Gordon in, They've gone back to how they were with Gordon being the dog, but yet he isn't, and it's affecting their game massively. I think, I mean, they've 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 got rid of their uh, Ken Wisenhunt's gone now, isn't he? So we'll see what happens yep. there. So something might change, and Eckler might see more ball, and they'll try and work Gordon in as opposed to give him all the carries and stuff. So we'll, we'll see on that. I'd, but yeah, the Chargers aren't the Chargers that we've come to know over the last few seasons and Philip Rivers is having a, a slight downturn at the moment I'd say but then it could all change now with the new OC and yeah I mean I say when I saw them the thing I noticed and I've seen Philip Rivers play a number of times he was 
angry. He was barking at everybody. I mean, he almost took a took a personal foul for getting up in a ref's face after a play. And I mean, you could hear him shouting. I was up in the upper deck, and so he was losing his mind. And I've seen him on TV again this season doing the same thing. I wonder, like you say, there's a bit of friction there between him and Ken, not necessarily Ken Wisenhunt as a person, but the system. And I mean, Philip Rivers knows what he's doing. He knows how to run an offense. He knows how to play in the NFL. I think he needs the freedom to do what he thinks is best. He knows he knows the playbook. So, you know, yeah. you listen to a guy like that. You might not listen to Kyler Murray, but you listen to Philip Rivers. 100%. I, I think it was nice to see the Bears use David Montgomery a little bit more. And that was, that was appreciated. But, um, yeah, talking of running backs, I'll move on to my next game. And I've got the Bills-Eagles. This one... The Eagles got back on track. People expected big things from the Eagles at the beginning of the season and they got back on track by running the ball and, man, did they run the ball a lot. In fact, they ran it so much, it was the most they'd run under Doug Peterson. They went for 218 yards. They stifled the Bills. I mean, time of possession was the key thing here. The the Eagles had so much of the ball, the Bills couldn't keep up. And, yeah, the game was plagued by... 40 mile an hour wins as well which didn't help the passing game so the fact the Eagles could run the ball which is surprising because the Bills defense is pretty good this season it was surprising to see the, the Eagles do so well on the ground my second takeaway from this is that Jordan Howard people gunned him at the beginning of the season for fantasy when he moved because he was going to be in a backfield a committee they've drafted Miles Sanders obviously he went before Miles Sanders but then when they picked Miles Sanders people were saying well Jordan Howard's just going to be a thing now because Miles Sanders is elite uh, maybe elite's a little strong. Like maybe that, yeah, maybe not elite, but he was going to give him a few games and Sanders will be the man there in the end. And But that's just not happened. I mean, Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders is now injured as well. So Jordan Howard <laughs> averaged 4.2 yards a game. And without Sanders there, Jordan Howard, he could be an RB2 next week. I just think you're going to want to play him and he could be out there on the waivers because he's been scoring touchdowns. Yeah, I just think he's he nearly nearly made 100 yards this week as well, which is, I can't remember the stat in front of me, but it was the first time since somebody's nearly gone over 100 yards. In, uh, oh, yeah. in 30, he, he was just shy of becoming the first Eagles player in 36 games to run over 100 yards. 36 games, they haven't had a 100-yard rusher. That's incredible. Yeah, mental. I couldn't believe it when I saw that because you just that shows you just how much they use a running back by committee. So I think fantasy wise, go get Jordan Howard. And then my other takeaway from this is that Carson Wentz did Carson Wentz things. He had eight carries, which is nice to see. Only thirty-five yards. He only made seventeen completions out of twenty-four for one hundred and seventy-two yards. Didn't need to do much considering that Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard and even. Scott got involved in the run game and then, yeah, that was pretty much it. John Brown and Cole Beasley didn't have a lot of receptions because they couldn't get the ball going in the air, like I mentioned. So, I don't know. Yeah, I think if Josh Allen can't get going, the Bills are in trouble and I don't think that's a recipe you want to rely on. i got to be honest, his, his inconsistency scares me because, again, I sound like a right negative guy, don't I? Anyway, he... He's he's like um, one of them callbacks who's always going to show you enough to keep you hanging on. Like, yes, he's good. He's got it. Yes, he's good. He's good. Then when it really comes to it and you look back in the cold hard light of day, 
He's just inconsistent. Do you know what Josh Allen's like? He's like a hangover. He's like alcohol and a hangover. Every <laughs> exactly. Time, every time I'm not drinking again. Yeah. You think, oh, this is great. I love doing this. And then you wake up in the morning and realize, actually, it was a terrible move. And I'm never doing that again. And then you go and do it next weekend. It's like Josh Allen is the proverbial pint of Stella Artois. <laughs> that might be the greatest NFL comparison I've heard this year. Well, I don't know if you ever saw my Patriots to corner shop comparison. Did you see that one? No, I don't think I did. Yeah, I wrote an article comparing the Patriots to a well-stocked sweet shop. Incredible. And uh, yeah, it got quite a lot of heat on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> People on Facebook can be harsh, man. Yeah, Facebook meme, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have much else on this game. The fact that I was surprised to see the Eagles beat the Bills so convincingly. I thought it was going to be closer, and I even thought the Bills might sneak a win. But Philly got right. They're back to 500 now and wouldn't be surprised to see them make a wildcard push. Sounds, sounds just about right. <laughs> uh, the next one, the Battle of the Birds, Lee. The Battle of the Birds. I think this is probably closer than people thought it might be because Atlanta have been pretty bad themselves this year. This finished 27-20 to the, sea, to the visiting Seahawks. So... Russell Wilson is 29-7 and seven coming off a loss in his career. So playing the Falcons on paper is a great game to get back on track. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, they lost to Lamar Jackson and the Ravens in a, in a good game. But they didn't quite look themselves that day. I mean, it, it just everything looked just a hair off. So this, this was a good game to get back on track. I say he actually finished up uh, 14 for 20 for 182 yards and two touchdowns with a passer rating of 131.7. So a pretty good day to, you know, t- to get back on track. Mm-hmm. And then Julio Jones is my second point. He had the best, his best week of the season with 10 catches for 152 yards in Matt Schaub's first start since 2015. Now, again, it might be his first start since 2015, but he was a starting quarterback in the NFL. He did take a team to the playoffs one year, I believe. So, you know, he's got enough to, to probably keep the fantasy numbers up for your players on the Falcons. If you have any left, you know, being that they're a one and seven team and all. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And then my last point is, and this is probably more of a question. Does the Seahawks defense worry you a little bit? They've, given up a few big performances this year. They gave up 450 yards to a guy in his first game since 2015. I know I just said he was he has been a starting quarterback before. That's the most in franchise history they gave up against a 1-7 team. Is this a case that they played down to their opponent or should we be concerned? I don't think... So the, the trouble with the Seahawks D at the moment is they don't have a good pass rush. Yeah, they've got to David and Clowney, but Clowney's never been the 12-14 sack monster that his old partner JJ Watt can be. He was Robin. Exactly, yeah. He was Robin's and JJ Watt's Batman. And unfortunately, the Seahawks have paid him like a 14-10-14 sack pass rusher, and he just isn't that. I mean, he's disruptive, and he'll get quarterback hits but he, he just doesn't get there fast enough. And I don't think, you know, Ziggy Anser, is, he is Ziggy Anser at the Seahawks, right? Yeah, yeah, he's been a free agent bust this season. He's not the guy, I mean, it's, it's not surprising, but he's, he's, he's not been who they thought he would be. And their secondary, it is not the Legion of Boom anymore. However, 
I think what the Seahawks did in this game, especially, is they got up 24 zip, I think, and basically then said, well, come on then. Coasted in. Exactly that. We can score enough to see us over the line. And they weren't worried about, they could have absolutely turned the burners on the Falcons and just decimated them. But they didn't feel the need to. And I think they gave up unnecessary yards is because they were coasting in. If they weren't and they wanted to put the Falcons down, they could have trounced them. Because Russell Wilson is playing at MVP level. Tyler Lockett still seems to catch absolutely everything. And DK Metcalf is a red zone beast. So, and the fact that they still pound the rock as well, they were just they were happy to see. They got up so early, they were happy to see what the Falcons could do. Yep, I mean they're pretty complete on offense. Do you know what I mean? They they, they play the complementary football game. They don't rely on just just one piece of it. Russell Wilson can do it all, but yeah. they want to pound the ball. They need to pound the ball. They can do it. Like you say, if they want to air it out. They can do that too. They can air it out. I, I'm 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 surprisingly shocked to see that Dan Quinn is still at the Falcons on what time is it now? It's it's half past eight on on Wednesday evening. Considering the owner came out and said that he was massively disappointed with the performance so far. This is probably a question for Murph, and maybe I'll put it out on Twitter and see if we get a, get a response. When was Mike Smith sacked? When he was a Falcons head coach, because. I wonder if this is just a case of we don't want to sack someone mid-season during the season. We've got to let them ride it out because some owners seem to be that way. Mm, yeah. I, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I mean, I, you know, he's a dead duck either way because I, I don't see there's a way that he can turn it around enough to say, see, everything's fine. I'm great at this job. Yeah, and, and if he does to turn it around and, and they end up with an even 500 record, what's the absolute point in that? Yeah, I mean, there's no upside to that. that. That's a disaster for everybody because he probably does the same thing next year. He gets fired anyway. Yeah, yeah. I think I think losing now, you, you get a better draft pick, and they've got the offensive. Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Devonta Freeman. All right, he hasn't been great, but then is it play calling? Is it is it Dirk Carter playing, doing the wrong thing on on offensive coordinator? You know, they've got the pieces. Oh yeah. There. I mean, the, the thing is, like you say, it's it, They've got the pieces. We already know that Durkar has been a good coordinator in the past, but there's a reason he didn't keep the job in Tampa himself. And there's a reason that Dan Quinn has had to fire so many so many coordinators. Yep. Because he's also not great at hiring them. So, I mean, I mean wholesale changes, just blow up the coaching staff, start again. Yeah. Uh, there's got to be a point where now offensive people who are unreal offensive talents shouldn't be let out the door. You've got Kyle Shanahan now who is running a 49ers offense and defense like nothing we've seen recently. He was at the Falcons. Why, If you value your offensive coordinator that much, but you've got an, a statesman in as, as head coach, make a change, man. Get your offensive coordinator. If Kyle Shanahan was running the Falcons now, where do we think they'd be? Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a team that you know we're probably talking about Deep playoff run. We're, t- we're talking possible they, Super Bowl. They got to the do, Super Bowl. Do you know Bowl. what I mean? That, that's it. We're talking that sort of, of level of team. Yeah. But, yeah. But, I, this, but this goes back to what we said, we said in the past. The NFL was all about trends. And they needed that shiny guy from Seattle. They needed, you know. Yeah. When something starts to work for somebody else, we all need a part of it. And that's how you end up with Adam Gase. 
you know, that's how you end up with a Zach Taylor. Oh. You know, full of, the NFL's full of trends and it's not always to, the, you know, it only really works out for the team who started it. Not usually the teams you try to copy. That's very true. Right, we just mentioned we just mentioned Shanahan. Let's talk about his team, the 49ers. They were at home to the Carolina Panthers and they absolutely whooped the Panthers 51-13. This was a this was an unexpected drubbing in in a game where the Panthers came off their win in London. They had a bye. Everybody thought that they were gonna go and and be one of the first teams to really test the 49ers. Lo and behold, the 49ers put 50-burger up on the Panthers. Let's talk about their franchise QB, Jimmy G. He is not an option for quarterback in fantasy, even in Superflex. And I just don't think anybody of his receivers except George Kittle can be used at the moment. He's only thrown the ball 189 times this season. His average game stat line based on seven games so far is 19 for 27, 213 yards. 1.3 1.3 touchdowns and one interceptions and a massive 4.3 yards of rushing per game. That's terrible. He's got 10 touchdowns and nine turnovers. His receivers have yet to catch 100 passes this season. They're on 98. So they get 14 catches a game on average, the entire receiving core. George Kittle has 40.8% of these total catches. George Kittle is nearly catching half of the receivers' <laughs> total catches in San Fran. So at some point, someone might want to cover him. You can't. You Just can't cover him. He had three, he's had three touchdowns brought back on penalties as well this year, which is annoying if you own him, just like me. <laughs> I think the average, get this right, the average per game for the entire wide receiving core is 8.3, 91.7, and 0.57. Chris Godwin on his own, the Bucks wide receiver too, although that is questionable, is averaging 6.1 catches for 100 yards and 0.86 TDs on his own this season. So just for context, Chris Godwin is better than all of the 49ers receivers. <laughs> <laughs> like Kyle say, Allen. Go on. Terrible for fantasy, but great for football because and, there's... It's, they're getting it done. Yeah, and but, retrospectively, they're box fresh as well. They've not done yeah. any work. Yeah. They had an early buy, and they've made most of that by not testing their players. Second point is that Kyle Allen has been discovered and figured out by the NFL. He was a revelation when he came in and he steered the Panthers to 4-2 and two from an 0-2 start. However, despite the optimism of four wins in a row, the trend was out there for all to see that while still winning, his production was in decline. After throwing for 493 yards and four touchdowns in his first two starts and only taking five combined sacks over that period, Kyle Allen has since gone 566 yards, three TDs, three INTs and a completion percentage of 56.9% over three games. Granted, he was playing the 49ers D, so they got three interceptions there. Joey Bosa was an absolute beast. But Allen is going to lose this this absolute mauling by the 49ers is going to lose Allen his job and Cam Newton I think will start the next game regardless of health. And then finally the 49ers held the Panthers to 100 net passing yards. This marks the fourth consecutive game in which a team was held an opponent to 100 passing yards or fewer. The Browns was 78, the Rams was 48, the Skins were 50. And just to put that into context, net context net passing yards are passing yards minus sack yards so they've uh, allowed 5.8 points per game over the last four games 
5.8 points over four games. That is frightening. How does that? How do you do that? I'd like to know. Yeah, me too. I mean, that's to wide receivers, obviously. And then they have a total yardage of 180.3. Passing yardage allowed 69, and they've had nine takeaways. So in short, don't start a quarterback against the 49ers. The only exceptions on the schedule coming up are maybe Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and Drew Brees. If you're in your playoffs or your favourite to get in, watch out for Matt Ryan and Jared Goff and maybe plan for alternative quarterbacks in your playoff matchups. Got any thoughts on this, Lee? No, like you say, I mean, Kyle Allen's been found out. That's, that's the way the NFL works. You know, yeah. we may, you may even see it from someone, um, oh God, his name's, his name's escaped me, the backup quarterback in Cincinnati, he's now starting. You might see him come out, play well for a game. He might look good and you say, oh, next week, they'll be good. These coordinators get to them. You just need a couple of games worth of tape. That's it. You get your tape and you're in trouble. So, and I think, again, it, with the better quarterbacks, sometimes it takes a year. Sometimes it takes two years. So mm-hmm. Jared Goff, you know, people were making it harder for him because they're working out ways to stop him. It just took, took, takes them longer to get to that stage. Yeah, 100%. Right. Super Bowl champions, Lee. Let's move on. The Cleveland Browns. Oh, wait. The, New, the Cleveland Browns at the New England Patriots. I thought we crowned them all at the start of the season. No, right. never mind. So, this finished 27-13 to the Patriots. Um, don't think we should be surprised that they've won. Don't the Patriots? No. I mean, before, before the season, this would have been a big game. This would have been a game people were waiting to see. Um, the way the Browns are playing, I think that's why you didn't see it on Sky over here. I don't think that's why it wasn't there wasn't more made of it going into it than than just being a regular Sunday game, to be quite honest. Um, I watched this game because I've got a couple of friends who are Browns fans. Dolphins didn't play. Thought this game had the potential to be okay. The Browns kind of sorted their stuff out. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I've got some real problems with this. I'm going to try and keep it short and sweet, but... Carry on, mate. You crack I'm gonna, on. I'm going to ramble. Rookie head coaches, just tear your hair out. Just, that can be a nightmare, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, Freddie, Freddie Kitchens is, A, I don't think is in control of this team right now. I think this is a problem. And I'm not saying fire him. I'm, I, I think you're in a road where you, you've hitched your wagon. But at the same time, he's going to still do silly things. We said it earlier with Clip. Kingsbury and here late in the game there was some signs of life in the Browns there was an outside chance that the, the come there was still time to have a comeback that's that's what it boiled down to was it likely no but there was time fourth and 11 they run out the punt team they take a five-yard penalty then send the offense back out for a fourth and 16 play why? Because he didn't want to spend the time out. He wanted to call his team across to the sideline, talk to them why he sent the punt team out to take a five-yard penalty and then send them out there to attempt a fourth and 16. That, to me, is absolutely mind-boggling. <laughs> the the chances of you converting fourth and 11. Exactly. So don't worry. Like you say, we'll give them 50% more. And it's the Patriots. Yeah. In that, what could go was, wrong? That was going to be my point there. Yeah, all right. You, yeah, fourth and 11, fourth and 16. It, it's a, but then you're also against the defense that is on historic levels 
Like, what are you doing? Take Wait. the time out. And the reporter goes to, yeah, we didn't want to spend the time out. Yeah, because that's going to do you really good in a minute when the Patriots score again because you give them the ball in, a, in your own territory because you didn't want to spend the time out. Rookie head coaches just make you want to bang your head against the wall. I don't think he's got the – I think he's great personality. He seems like a great guy. He seems like probably a very good coach. I don't think he's the right coach for this team. That was my fear at the beginning of the season, and it, I think it's still bearing out now. I don't think he's got the – the personality or the sort of toughness or the cojones to keep that team under control with those personalities. And I'm not pointing it at anyone in particular. I just think it's a team of big personalities, but there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I don't have too much to say on the Patriots other than the fact that they're on pace for historically good defense. Are we surprised? No. Did the Patriots do anything out of the ordinary? Nope. Already, so yeah, I, I mean, mean, for me, Tomorrow's guest is a Patriots fan, and he we go into the depth on on the Patriots defense a little bit, so we won't spoil that too much. But the Patriots are just doing Patriots things whilst relying on a historically good defense, and it doesn't matter what you chuck at them; they're going to smash you up. Yeah, they'll find a way. Exactly, it's the it's the Patriot way. So. Yeah, there, is, there isn't anything really to say about this, apart from the fact that OBJ is... I I don't think you can... Oh man, it's tough to say you can't start him just because of the draft capital you spent in fantasy, but I don't want to. As, as, a, as a newbie to fantasy football, I couldn't start him because of what I've seen from Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is scared out of his mind. His feet are moving a million miles an hour in the pocket. His head is just, it looks like a meerkat. Do you know what I mean? His head is bouncing all over the field because it's not going well for him. They put more on his shoulders and he can't cope. He can't cope right now. They need to dial this thing all the way back, hand the ball off, create space, use the play action game. I mean, there was, there was a play the other day where, um, where it was a forward toss. I, I think it was to Chubb. And the Patriots lineman came through the line of scrimmage and he threw the ball straight to him. He could see him straight in front of him and threw it to him. This is a guy who is panicking and I think they're in trouble. I think they need to do something drastic and they need to do it now because they don't want to ruin a quarterback who has the potential to be their franchise quarterback. I, I'm not I say I think every quarterback needs at least two years before you can say he's the guy because we do it too quickly. I think they need to, to rectify this problem now and start handing the ball back off to Chubb. Yeah. Play play run first football and then get Baker Mayfield going because you dumped more on his plate and he can't go. No, he can't. And although, you know, it was about this time last season they started to turn things around, so maybe there's a chance they do it again, but they got a nice schedule coming up as well. So Yeah, they do. They certainly have the opportunity to turn it around. Yeah, they do. They do. Uh, so you definitely learn a lot about everybody, the, the the character of the team and the character of the coaching staff. Yeah. I mean, maybe the hype was a bit too big at the beginning of the season thinking they were a playoff team, but if they can get back to 500 possibly and, and see where they are at the end of the season and learn from the mistakes they've made, then maybe next year they could well be playoff because they've had everyone on the off-season. And, That's it. And they so, can buy yeah. an O-line. Yeah. I mean, somebody, yeah. somebody who's... Uh, 
seeing absolutely everything completely opposite to Baker Mayfield right now is Deshaun Watson. And he is looking, I don't know, I don't want to say as good as Patrick Mahomes, but he's definitely in that level of quality quarterback. I mean, the guy is absolutely tough. He got kicked in the eye on Sunday, didn't want to leave and ended up the game with one eye closed because he was that tough and wanted to get the win done. On the play that he got kicked in the eye, he strained his helmet and threw a touchdown pass. Standard Sunday for Dijon Watson. <laughs> so it's not too big for him right now. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, they rallied from eight points down in the fourth quarter to defeat the visit in Oakland Raiders 27-24. My first takeaway was that Deshaun Watson is unbelievably good and he's obviously keen to get as many wins for this team as possible early in his career. I just think the big thing for me here is that Hopkins went off again. He had 11 passes, reception, sorry, for 109 yards, which is always good. You want your stud receivers to be playing well. And when OBJ isn't and you've got Hopkins, you're doing all right. I think the trouble is, my second point now is that the Texans have been struggling to stop the run as a, as a just in general. And the fact that Unfortunately, JJ Watt went down with a torn pectoral muscle and is now out for the rest of the season is going to mean teams run the ball on them even more because it just exposes their whole team. Now, their secondary has been soft against the pass anyway. And the fact you had JJ Watt lining up opposite the O-line put a little bit of fear into you. But now if you don't have JJ Watt, they don't have Clowney. It's literally merciless and no one. So I think people are going to run the ball a bit more on the Texans, and if they can't run it, they're going to pass it. So I think at this point, you can start anybody on the t- against the Texans. I just think there isn't really anybody I wouldn't want to start against the Texans, just because they're soft everywhere now. Yeah, I'd really like to start some defences against them as well, because Laramie Tunsil also left with an injury again. He's been down multiple times, and even with him, they're still giving up sacks. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. And then I think my final takeaway from this game is that Tyrell Williams and Derek Carr are serviceable fantasy options when streamable. I mean, you can't stream Tyrell Williams because you drafted him, so you're going to be playing him. He's got a touchdown in every game he's played. Murph and I talked about this on Tuesday, so he's got a good base level anyway. And then Derek Carr, he's doing all right. And the Gruden effect hasn't taken as much of a toll, I don't think, as we thought it might do on Carr. Because there was talk at some point in the season of Carr being moved on, wasn't going to be the guy. But I think he's playing enough, well enough to keep his job in, in this Gruden system. Yeah, that's that's pretty much all I've got on this game. I, I think the Texans, I think they're going to be in a lot of shootouts going forward. And, and the good thing for their players, fantasy-wise, is that they have the ability to do so. If teams are going to be scoring on them, Watson... You know, even their run game with Hyde and uh, the chap from the Browns, who's the running back that they traded from the Browns, Duke Johnson. Um, I think you know they've got Hopkins. Fuller will be back eventually. Kiki Cootie's there. Kenny Steals. They seem to be doing all right with their tight end at the moment. So, yeah, I think fantasy wise, you can you can start most of your Texans now and and not worry about it at all. Yeah. Um, do you, do you worry about them this week in particular coming to London to play the the Jags? The Jags having a bit of a up and down season or so. Um, this would be the sort of game that they want to get stuck into a game, a game against a divisional opponent. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think I do. I think the fact that 
they knew they were coming anyway. They've had enough weeks to prep for it now. And, and the fact that teams are, aren't afraid of the Jags' defence necessarily as much as they once were, I think actually they're doing it. I think they're going to be all right. I don't think they're... And if it does turn into a Minshew shootout, I think, they've, like I just said, they've got the firepower to deal with that. So let's fingers crossed, you know, knock on wood. Let's hope that the, this this is a good game Sunday because we're both going, man. Yeah. So we've got two games left to cover. Let's get on to the Packers and the Chiefs. It's not quite the game we wanted it to be. No. We not. want Mahomes, Rogers, and we're going to have to wait. Maybe a Super Bowl? Just saying. Be oh, that would be, great. be interesting. Be great, wouldn't it? Um, (laughs) yeah so not quite the game that you know everyone you know that we wanted to be there it looked like it would be at the beginning of the season Um, Packers come out winners 31-24 Um, Devontae Adams missed the game again it's four weeks in a row Um, I don't know how you feel about his fancy value long term because his injury is obviously is holding him back they don't have a bye week until week 11 so that's another three weeks till they get the bye I mean Aaron Rodgers does Aaron Rodgers things. He's going to spread the ball around anyway. He's going to hit the open guy because he's one of those, you know, he's obviously an elite quarterback, but that's mm-hmm. what those quarterbacks do. They spread the ball around. Um, my second point is Matt Moore's holding down the four. I think he's doing an okay job. Yeah, no, he is. I'm, I'm a big fan of Matt Moore. I think it probably says more to, at, you know, how good a coach Andy Reid is and how friendly he can make the system. You know, he hadn't been there long. He was out of football last year. He was actually co- He was actually scouting to start the season. For the Dolphins, um, I'm a big fan of Matt Moore. He's going to throw it around. He loves to sling it deep. Doesn't care. Sees a go. He'll throw it. So, but I think he's holding down the fort. I think that allows them to get Mahomes right. And I think it's important to not rush him back because there is a there's two goals here. There is obviously the playoffs and this year, and then there is the long term future of this team and. We've seen too many players rush back and it doesn't end well. And say, I'd just like to see him brought back right, get him back to where he needs to be. He'll take you there. He'll get it, he'll get it done when he comes back. If it means it takes one extra game, so be it. My last point was Chiefs D played pretty well. Got four sacks. And that's an improvement. Yeah, they're missing, they're missing a lot of pieces on de- defence as well at the moment, the Chiefs. So the fact they got four sacks is decent. I mean, you mentioned Devontae Adams earlier. My takeaway on him is that he's going to be back this week. And it's pretty obvious that Aaron Rodgers likes to throw the ball to Devontae Adams and Devontae Adams only as a wide receiver. I mean, Lazard had five receptions. Jake Kumaro had two. Geronimo Allison and MVS had one each. And then Jimmy Graham had three. Then you look at the running back receptions, and Aaron Jones had seven, and Jamal Williams had three. It's it's pretty obvious that Rodgers is targeting the running backs without Devonta Adams being on the field. And I think once he's back, the running backs take a little bit of a hit in reception-wise fantasy because Devonta Adams is one of the best receivers in the league. And you've got a hot Aaron Rodgers. I think Devonta Adams comes back fit, and I think he comes back with an absolute bang. That sounds good. Sounds good for football. Sounds good for fantasy. Damn straight. And then, yeah, exactly. This. I just think the same thing for Mahomes. I think they've got to bring him back when he's fit and healthy. Don't bother rushing him back. I mean, he's so young. They've still got Andy Reid. They're not going to be out of contention after this year. So if he isn't fit and healthy, don't ruin the kid. That's it. And I don't think, I think we've got to not forget, he had the high ankle sprain before that that he'd been dealing with for weeks. And we saw it 
maybe two seasons ago with Russell Wilson. That just lingered all season. But they're playing well enough. Get him right, bring him back when he's ready. Then we can all enjoy the, you know, the greatest that is Pepper Holmes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So we've been going alternately and uh, it would only be right for me to let you double up, take the last last <laughs> game because it's your beloved Miami Dolphins against Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers won 27-14 at Heinz Field. Any takeaways from this one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tank mode is fully engaged. That's that's take one. Um, if there is any doubt, just watch watch the replay of this game. Um, Dolphins actually led the game going into the half. Mason Rudolph was playing bad football. Bad, bad football. Um they got booed off the field in the first quarter of the game after being down 14 nothing to obviously a winless Dolphins team. He'd already thrown a pick, thrown another ball that should have been picked. Um, Ryan Lewis called it with a toe out of bounds. They were playing terrible football. Then the Dolphins come onto the field. The point two is they're going to keep saying the right things. I mean, Brian Flores came out today and said that they're going to start Ryan Fitzpatrick because they want to win. That's a lie. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a straight it's just a straight up lie um, the the Steelers score a six uh, sorry a 45 yard touchdown at the end of the first half to get the momentum back and I am absolutely convinced the Dolphins coaching stuff did it to get Mason Rudolph going it's third and 20 they send the, the, the defense out there in a sort of prevent defense but fairly standard. They look like they're going to make them catch the ball short. They're going to let them kick the field goal, go into the half 14-6 up. Everything's golden. They call a timeout. They take them off the field. They then bring them out and send eight people rushing, drop four in coverage, but they start off more than 15 yards deep on third and 20. Why? (laughs) Just why? I don't know who they hope to cover. Like... It was in, it was just ridiculous, and I, I think that I know they can't say it, and people will tell me that the Dolphins are trying to win or that they should try and win. Or it's difficult. They're doing everything they can to make sure they don't win. I don't think you can take anything. I've said this before. I don't think you can take anything from any team the Dolphins play. I couldn't tell you that the Steelers were good or bad based on what they did. I mean, they looked like the defense played well, but. Playing the Dolphins, so, exactly. so you, you you can't pin anything on it. I think you just write it off. You, if you can, start players against the Dolphins, and don't take it into your thinking for the following week. Go back to assess those teams on the on every game except the Dolphins game because there's too many things. I was there for the game against Washington for the two point conversion. That play was stopped before the, the ball was even snapped. That was ridiculous. Yeah, they're but, in absolutely full tank mode. Yeah, I mean, the, so the, if there was a game they were going to try and win, it was this one because it benefited them from a draft pick standpoint because they had the Steelers' first round pick. But yeah, so I don't think there's much to take from it. I'd be a bit concerned about Mason Rudolph because of the way he started the game. He started incredibly slow, and some of the balls he threw, he's thrown into double and triple coverage. And as good as Juju from Schuster is, he ain't that good. It's going to go bad more times than it goes good. You'll get one highlight play, but you'll get two picks. So it's, yeah. 
So I, I think that would be a concern for me. It wouldn't surprise me if we see Duck Hodges again before the end of the season at this rate. No. I mean, uh, so they, they got booed off the field and the, the fans were angry that they were losing to a winless team in poor fashion. It doesn't surprise me. So, yeah, I say I don't think there's a lot to take from this game. Pittsburgh win and move on. So, great. That's it. That's the whole slate covered, Lee. That's it. That's all of them. We got through it. We've done it. We've made it. It's um, It's been an absolute pleasure to be a guest on your show. Thanks for helping. Thanks for coming on. You're welcome anytime. If you need me, just hit me up. You know where I am. I'm at Five Yard Rush. and uh... Sitting in the big chair. Well, actually, I'm in the smaller chair today. I haven't been <laughs> I am at home. But, uh, yeah. But that's it. That's your Tuesday takeover. On a Wednesday. So, on a Wednesday. Possibly a Thursday. So, <laughs> but going forwards, look, look out for this on a Tuesday. And we will see you soon. I'm not stealing your catchphrase. You better drop it now. Awesome. I thought you were going to. I thought this was going to be fun. <laughs> I was all prepared. I, I, I'd let go. You know, I, I was ready. But I suppose it, it's only right that I do it. So, Lee, thanks very much, mate. This has been fun. Like I said, if you need me again, you, Ash, whoever it is, hit me up. I am pretty much always available. Go follow us on Twitter. It's at Five Yard Rush. Hit the website up. Lee and I have worked pretty hard on that bad boy so far. It's fiveyardrush.co.uk. But until exciting tonight, stuff coming. Yes, big time stuff coming. Uh, that's a little teaser that's a little teaser <laughs> we're not going to drop anymore but until tomorrow's guest show Rush Nation as always don't forget keep rushing you can live a long healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.